Beyond Synth, Season 7, Sequence Commencing in 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Hey there, welcome to the show. This is Beyond Synth, episode 201, and we are continuing our Synthwave Summer Celebration series thing. And basically, uh, we're reflecting on the early years of the show. This is sort of as part of the 200th episode anniversary so I'm spreading the love over the whole uh, summer but we're reflecting on the early years of the show as well as the synthwave scene and uh, we've got some good food for thought here you know I'm operating now with the framework that synthwave has transcended the genre it once was to become the word which signals an artist's connection to the 80s uh, and 90s nostalgia uh, we talked about that last week with ogre and sunglasses kid and Celerect LA dreams we didn't necessarily come to a consensus but I'm trying to use these conversations as a way to at least form a concrete thought from my own point of view. I've been lazily throwing the term synthwave around for years, and I figured one aspect of moving forward is to figure out where I stand instead of fumbling around with shitty words. I mean, I don't want to have, like, a memorized speech, but I mean, I want to have... Like, I should have at least the semblance of a coherent thought. Uh, that would be... <laughs> that would be a nice start, especially since we've done 200 of these. Um, this was a comment from a listener-slash-artist, uh, Alone Wolf, on the, uh, the Beyond Synth SoundCloud comment section. He says, I kind of agree with you, Andy. Synthwave is not just a parent genre, but a culture. However, Synthwave used to actually be a subgenre, but it was a subgenre of something we didn't know the name of. A lot of people, like Rick Shithouse, used to call it 80s-inspired synth music, which unsurprisingly didn't stick as it's too long-winded to say. That's how Synthwave just took over as the parent genre. So this is why there are some artists where their style just seems pure Synthwave. It's the ones with the earlier style sound. LA Dreams is definitely one of them! Exclamation mark. Yeah, I mean, that's what I said to Celeract last week. I mean, the other question we're discussing is, when does a scene become a scene? You know, the case I'm making is that Synthwave the scene begins softly in, like, 2011 sometime, and really forms in sort of 2012, 2013. My, my criteria is, first, that for a scene to be official, it has to know it's a scene. So when people over-intellectualize the genre or the scene and say, well, you know, but Frontenac Magoo was making 80s-inspired electro in 2004. I mean, that's when it started. And I just flat-out disagree with that sentiment. As Ogre put it last week, if you keep going back, eventually you just hit the 80s. And one of the hallmarks of the scene is that it's uh, reverential to the 80s and 90s and, and by definition has to come later. Nostalgia is the point. It's like if I asked you how long your house has been here, and you're like, well, you know, the, the bricks were made in uh, 1997, and, and the tree we use for wood has been growing since 1976. I'm like, no, 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 no. How long has the house been here? Synthwave is the house in this metaphor. I <laughs> Sorry. The point is, my point is, the scene became a scene when disparate artists from around the world realized, hey, 
I'm making Synthwave. Hey, look, I'm meeting other producers with a similar love for retro culture, and and this culture has a name. So today, I'm going to catch up with more artists I talked to in the early years of Beyond Synth, uh, Dan Terminus and Betamax, who have technically been on the show many times. I'm also going to have a quick chat with Python Blue and Vector Sector, who are guys I haven't talked to in, like, over five years. I literally had no idea what they've been up to, and it should be an interesting chat with people who were part of the scene in the early years who have since gone on and uh, and done other things. And, uh, yeah, that's the plan. So, look, let's listen to some music, get this show started. Uh, we're looking back, but we're also playing brand new uh, awesome music. And this is Ollie Ride, who just released his debut solo album just a few days ago. Ollie is awesome. The album is called Thanks in Advance. This is Back to life. Dreaming. 
And that was Back to Life by Ollie Ride. And you know him. He's the singer of FM 84. Uh, Ollie's a really cool guy. If you want to see me uh, drunkenly complimenting him, you can check my Instagram because uh, that was a little video I put up. Uh, I, I like being around that guy. I like his energy. And hopefully we're going to do just a proper Ollie Ride show because I've met him twice now and we chat and I've never actually really gotten to know him personally. And so I hope to do an Ollie Ride show in the future. And I should also say that that song was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. And we have got a new $25 donor this week, Restless Nights. Thanks, Restless Nights. You are cool. Uh, wait, I know you. Yeah, we were just talking on Instagram. You gotta send me a shirt. Uh, yeah, he's a cool guy. Of course he's a cool guy because he listens to the show. I think he does something to do with cars. I don't fully understand it, but he's going to explain it to me. And also send me a shirt. Maybe when you send me a shirt, you can just write a big paragraph to explain what it is you actually do. I know it's got something to do with cars. Or maybe you just like cars. Do you like cars? <laughs> I don't, why am I asking questions to someone who's not uh, here with me? Anyway, look, let's go to the uh, the Beyond Synth answering machine. Hello, this is uh, James Secker, long-time listener, first-time caller. Just wanting to say happy 200th birthday to Andy Last and the Beyond Synth podcast show. Well, thanks, James. James made a, uh, a short film called The Summoner, which was uh, interesting because for years he had this thing finished. And he keeps sending me links to everything like, uh, hey, look, here's a screening we did. And look, here's some people who liked it. No, oh, here's an award we won. Here's this and that. But the one thing he never sent me was the film. And so <laughs> I think it's on Amazon Prime. And I kept saying, dude, send me the fucking movie because I wanted to see it. Because, I, I mean, I like obviously supporting and endorsing people's stuff, but I like to see it so I know what I'm doing. Because I would hate it if someone was just like, hey, man, Andy, you want to like... Uh, promote my my movie and i'm like oh sure and then i end up watching the film and it's just like some half hour video of the dude like punching his own mom in the face or something i'll be like shit i shouldn't have fucking endorsed that you know um that's not what uh <laughs> that's not what james's movie was about it starred adam McNabb as a as a ghost hunting sad guy i was sad because his wife was dead was that a plot twist anyways uh thanks james uh you're a cool guy and he's always uh, been there hovering around the scene and uh and being supportive so uh thanks dude let's listen to another one Hey Andy, this is Heartbeat Hero from the Netherlands, and I wanted to send some love to all the creators and all the fans of Synthwave. And Andy, you have an awesome show, keep up the good work, and Andy, you're a cool guy. Well thanks, Heartbeat Hero, you are a cool guy. That's the real truth. Heartbeat Hero. I just like to say it. Heartbeat Hero makes music. Uh, you can go check him out here. Let me let me get the address here. Uh, song info. Yeah, you can go to Heartbeat Hero. H e a r t b e a t h e r o. Exactly like you think it would be spelled. Heartbeathero.com. He's also heartbeathero.bandcamp.com. You can uh, check out his music. Thanks for always uh, supporting the show, dude. And uh, keep on making tunes. And before we get carried away, I do have some more music to. 
play and then maybe we'll go chat with uh, Dan Terminus. So here's a track by Fused featuring Kay Burden and this is called Tear Me to Pieces the Radio Edit. This is brought to you uh, by my awesome Patreon supporters by the way. There's Chris Dance, the king of the Pattersons. And then there's Mike Shima who Martin Larby has reminded me I referred to as the Prince of the Pattersons, but then last week I referred to him as the King in another district. The point is, Mike Shima is very generous. Both he and Chris Dance are uh, incredibly generous supporters of the show, and I thank them because that is what keeps this show going. So thank you very much, gentlemen. And now let us listen to this track by Fused, featuring Kay Burden, Tear Me to Pieces.
And that was Tear Me to Pieces, the radio edit by Fused featuring Kay Burden. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's William Stewart with the 6969. And Jose Arbello with the 6659. You guys are really awesome people. So. Let's get this party started. I'm going to dial up the phone here and uh, let's give uh, let's give Dan Terminus a call. Hello. Hey, is that Dan Terminus? I- I'm afraid I am Dan Terminus. Yes. Well, don't be afraid, man. What's what's going on, dude? I'm fine. I'm just sitting in my house doing nothing, enjoying life. So life is good. Life's really good. Excellent. Well, I'm happy to hear that. So you were on uh, in the early days. Today, I'm I'm taking a look back. I mean, obviously, we've talked since the early days, but mm-hmm. what episode were you on? Hold on. I feel like it was in the 30s. <laughs> I should probably know that, right? Let's see. Watch this. I'm gonna I'm gonna use my own website. I'm gonna use the Beyond Synth <laughs> database, and I'm gonna type in Dan Terminus. I I think I was yeah in the early episodes. Then uh, we had one episode with uh, Ghost. And then one episode for Halloween for the release of Automated Refrains, if I remember well. Ooh, 33. So you were on episode 33. Mm-hmm. So that would have been uh, right at the start of the uh, of the third season. That's a magical number for people who make dark music. <laughs> what, 33? Yeah. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, according to popular belief, uh, this is uh, the age Jesus Christ had when he died. Mm. So. Oh, yeah. All right. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so you are the Jesus Christ episode of the uh, the Beyond Synth Library. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I, I, I am the way. <laughs> <laughs> so what I'm doing this episode, kind of looking back... Seeing how people have changed over the years and how the, um, you know, the synthwave scene has sort of evolved. Mm -hmm. So when you first started making tunes, I mean, I know you made music before, but like when you started making the stuff in the sort of the synthwave scene and being part of that scene, how do you think it sort of changed from when you started to now? You mean my music or synthwave in general? I think synthwave in general. Okay, synthwave in general, when when I discovered that kind of music yeah it was all nostalgia and um it still is but today for a newcomer everything will be beautiful and nostalgic and melodic and whatever but but for somebody who's been following synthwave for let's say 2012 or 2013 it's monotonous Bland and shallow, because um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sorry. It's just it's just what I think, and and, and actually, it's true, because it it's the same old same. I mean, there there are a, a handful of talented producers who will try to outdo themselves, but for one of one guy like that, you have like 99 producers who will release the same kind of music every week or every month. And it's, it's all monotonous. Some people send me their albums every week or their EPs or their songs for, you know, guidance, hints and tips. So I give them guidance, hints and tips. But artistically speaking, it's, it's the same old song I hear every time. So um, I understand that it's cool for an artist to write whatever they want to write. But for me, 
uh, I mean, listening to the same track for five years is it's not something that's pleasurable. It, it's it's fucking boring <laughs> if you allow me. So, synthwave today, synthwave today is it's just uh, it's just like like a big cauldron of let's say rotted apples and you only have like three four five diamonds in it but i, I don't feel like burning my hands into <laughs> Sorry, a cauldron just, of rotten apples i love i love your metaphor because i thought maybe there was going to be rotten apples and there would be a few good apples but it's like it's, it's either rotten apples or diamonds <laughs> like, in, indeed <laughs> Indeed. Well, that, that, those are the first words that crossed my mind. You know, I'm French, remember? But, but I mean, there are a handful of talented producers, and mm. I, I can name them if you want. And these producers always surprise me. And they are the, um, the quietest producers, you know? Mm. For example, a guy like Moustache Machine, he's a fucking good composer. But he's still waiting to release an album because uh, he's got better things to do and we deserve an album from this guy. Not the same old uh, stuff that we get every week on Bandcamp. <laughs> that is what I think, you know. And um, I don't want to sound like an arrogant asshole, even though I am an arrogant asshole. But if people enjoy making synthwave... Well, then it's okay. Go for it. But just don't ask me to go, wow, it's beautiful. It's great because it's not. <laughs> I always enjoy talking to you. Yeah. Um, well, look, we're going to talk for a little bit about this, but I'm going to play uh, some of your tracks. Okay. So I thought uh, we play this one. This is a cool track. This is Abandoned Ship Graveyard from the Darkest Benthic Division. And uh, yeah, let's do it. This is what I live for.
And that was Abandoned Ship Graveyard by Dan Terminus. I'm here with Dan Terminus right now. We're taking a look back, talking about Synthwave and how much <laughs> how much Dan loves it. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like, for me... I've always liked electronic music. I like the uh, the retro sounding synth patches and stuff like that. That's always what I've enjoyed. But even now, when I search for new music for the show, when I do, I don't often use the the synthwave tag. Yeah, for me, like I enjoy synth pop and stuff like that. Like I like vocal things because mm-hmm. I tr- I want to try and find artists who are outside of the scene. You know, I don't blame you. Like, I enjoy what is typically the synthwave sound, but I like to be surprised, like you say. I mean, like, I like to hear music that surprises me or that sounds new, but... T- and so it's always this weird balance, especially within the synthwave scene. It's like, how do you make a song that has all these elements that sort of conjure that nostalgia, but also sound new? And there's a lot of people that do sort of the generic synthwave, which is fine. Like, when I listen to it, I'm like, okay, this music's fine, but it doesn't necessarily, like, excite me. Yeah, it doesn't strike a chord. That, that, that is what I was trying to do on every album. Uh, I tried to outdo myself and do something new. And if you take um, a song or a track from my first albums and if you compare them to automated refrains, uh, it's still me. But the style is different. The, you know, I'm trying to say something else. I'm trying to do something else. And that's really important to me because if I don't do that, I'll get bored. Mm. And um, what, what's the point of writing The Wrath of Code 2? I could do it easily. I did it once. I can do it twice. But, <laughs> but what's the point? From an artistical standpoint, it's not valid. And it's, it's not... Uh, I wouldn't fulfill myself doing this. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. That's the one thing that I find with with artists is that I ex- I expect them sort of to grow a bit. And sometimes when you have a scene, a, a small scene, you'll have a lot of people who get sort of upset when an artist kind of changes directions. Yes, because some of the fans, not all of them, but some of the fans want to belong to a very little special group, uh, a group that only they know about. So they can use that in everyday conversations like I'm listening to a music you don't even listen to. You don't even know the people, you know, because yeah. they're so elitists. Yeah. But but they're just a bunch of fucking assholes, if you ask me, because, I mean, <laughs> when music is good, it is good music, no matter the tag, no matter the label. If it sounds good to your ears, then it's all that matters. And uh, with Synthwave, it can be pretty deceiving. And uh, I know that... Um, there are people out there who still say that uh, my second album is the best of them all and that whatever I released after that was boring. That's okay. They're right in a way because I think my music sucks big time. <laughs> but there comes a time where as an artist, you make music for yourself because you want to fulfill yourself as an artist, as a producer. And um, this is when you start growing up doing new things for example I don't know if you've listened to Perturbator's last track which is called Excess it's gonna be on his next album and it sounds different and it's going to piss a lot of people off which is great because for me I would say that I I would rather have people who are pissed off by the next album I will be working on or people who will like it instead of um, people being indifferent this would piss me off way way more 
Well, I think because for me, like being a fan of, say, movies and TV and stuff, sometimes too much of a change can actually be sort of a bad thing if it means like it breaks the reality that was set. Like, you know, if you're talking about like like Star Wars or something, like if you make too many changes in a sequel, sometimes it can actually uh, almost be a problem because there's a universe that was created. But with artists, yes. it's completely different. Because you're a person and there's no trilogy set out, you know what I mean? Like you're you're just moving forward, always moving forward. And so it can morph and change. Like I love to see the change because you always have that old album. You always have the old music if you want it. And uh, and it's always cool to see what directions people sort of move in. And that's a good thing to hear because when I go for live shows, when I play my concerts, I always get to meet fans and I get all sorts of opinions. But mostly the people who listen to my music enjoy the fact that I'm trying to come up with something new every time. It's not always easy, but it's a fun thing to do. And um, it reassures me that... These dudes and dudettes out there enjoy my music because whatever I come up with, some people will like it, some people will hate it, but I guess that in the first place, I am the one who is enjoying making this. So as long as I enjoy making music, it's it's fine. That That is why I'm so quiet and social networks and everything because I don't have anything interesting to say. I met people in, in Scotland when I was touring with Perturbator two months ago. People said, oh, uh, you don't post very often on your Facebook and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, but I have nothing to say. You know, I'm not going to post pictures because just to fill in the blanks. Yeah. I mean, I do have a personal Facebook account, but it's private and I only keep it for friends and families and I'll tell you what I do on that Facebook profile I post pictures of American cars from the 50s 60s and 70s I post silly jokes with um, French plays on words you know old songs from the 80s and the 90s that, that this is all I use my f- personal Facebook for yeah. I only keep it to maintain my Dan Terminus Facebook page I've been considering that for a while. Um, the only thing is I don't really like when people send me messages to the the Beyond Synth Facebook page. It's not as convenient as when they send messages yeah. through the regular messenger. Like, it's 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 slower and it's harder to do when I'm on my phone and stuff if I'm trying to check messages. <laughs> That's a fucking old HTML version. Yeah. It's like, it's, it's insufferable. Yeah. Really. <laughs> but look, I want to listen to another song and then we'll, uh, we'll talk for a bit more. All right. So here is a track from Automated Refrains, as uh, you mentioned earlier. This one's called Electronic Snow by Dan Terminus.
And that was Dan Terminus with the track Electronic Snow from the album Automated Refrains. And I am here right now with Mr. Dan Terminus. Yes. Reminiscing. Well, I guess we didn't really do too much reminiscing, but this is the... No, not really, but let's do it now if you want. It's because I had you on the show. That would have been, what, five years? God, it's been such a fucking long time. Uh, how how do yeah. you think you've changed? Huh? <laughs> how do you think you've changed since you started? As an artist or, or as a person? Both, man. All right. As an artist, I changed a lot because I do a lot of live shows now. And at first, I thought that I would just be releasing music uh, that I would be composing in my living room. Today, I do have a little studio. Well, nothing much. It's just two Fostec monitors and a MIDI keyboard. That's pretty much all I need. But I do have a lot of gear, so I'm more of a live artist today. Uh, about my music, I still keep on doing whatever it is that I was doing. That is to say, trying to outdo myself. I think I'll be working on the successor of automated refrains pretty soon, should I feel like it. And... Um, as a person, I became a much better person because last year I burnt out in 2018 after working for nine years for a big company. I mean, just to be clear, the burnout is one of the best things that ever happened to me in my life because now I'm relaxed, I'm laid back, I have no stress, I don't have to cope with the hierarchy, I don't have to work in an open space anymore. I live according to my own values. And um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a better person these days. You know, I've even started riding horses again. So what? Yeah, I, I used to ride horses when I was younger. And for some stupid reasons, uh, I stopped doing it, which is fucking silly. I know, but it's been a month since I've been riding again. And it makes me a happy man. You know, like um, I go to a French, let's say ranch or horse school. It's like 30 minutes away from my house. And um, I ride and uh, I'm cool. You know, man, my life is really good. So. <laughs> Like, horses terrify me. Really? That's I don't know. I don't know. They're frightening. No, they're not. They're not frightening. They're so big. Yes, they're big, but they they are easily frightened as well. But they are also very. Oh fuck! I forgot the English word for that. Empathetic. Mm. You know when you're full of empathy. Sure. Empathetic. Well, they got big, big, giant eyes. Yeah, but they, they know everything about you. You know, they're very sensitive animals, hypersensitive animals, and they know everything about you, which means you may be the world's greatest criminal. If there is one little part of good in you, they will see it. And the, the horses pick you, you know, if they want to hang out with you, they will hang out with you. They will do their best to make you feel good. I, I love horses, really. It's, um, you know, they bring me peace. They bring me... They bring me joy and I ride for four reasons. The first reason is I ride to enjoy myself. Second reason is I want the horse to enjoy the work and to enjoy the ride. Third reason, I want to become a better rider. I don't want to go into competition or cross or something like that. And fourth reason is I want to communicate with the horse much better than I do today. Uh, it takes practice. It takes time. And, um, and I especially enjoy doing this, really. But I don't have my own horse yet. I just go to the horse school, you know, to the ranch. And um, uh, one day it'll be this horse. Another day it'll be that horse. So I just go along with whatever horse they gave me. I didn't know. Did I know you ride horses? Wait, <laughs> no, you live near a farm. No. No, wait. Was that? No, you used to live in a castle. I used to live in a castle, but I had to move. Now I live in the upper part of the village. We are only like, well, let's say like... 
20, 25, 28 people. It's like a small hamlet. Mm. And the horse ranch, the ranch is around, is about 30 minutes away from my house. It's in the countryside. There's nothing around it except horses in fields and, um, and you know, riders training. And um, it's, it's a good place. The only bad thing for me uh, is that I ride the Western way. So I hold my reins with the Western reins hold. I hold my reins in one hand. And those horses there are French, because as you know, I live in France. But they were never told the Western way. So you have to lead them and ride them with the split range. That is to say, with one, one rein in each of your hand. Not a lot of horses at the ranch know the Western range holds. So sometimes I'm like, oh, fuck, let's go fucking ride. And the horse doesn't understand it. So I'm like, all right, you're not used to it. Okay. So usually I switch horses. <laughs> hey, man, I love to learn. So I, I never knew there was... <laughs> <laughs> French horse riding is like different. Um, I love that. No, it's, I mean, it, 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 it's not typically French, but let's say there's a big difference between split reins. You have both hands on your reins, right? Mm. Left side, right side. If you want to go right, you just open your right hand to in- instruct the horse to go right. And then there is the way I have uh, always been taught how to lead a horse, which is the, the Western reins hold. So basically, you just hold all the reins in one hand, let's say left hand, because I'm left-handed, and you rest your other hand along your body. So it gives longer range to the horse. It applies much, much less pressure on the horse's mouth, and the horse feels better. And it, I mean, it's easier for you to rest your ass on the saddle and to enjoy the ride with the horse, you know? So that's what I like doing. But if your horse was not trained for the western range hold then he will not respond and he will be confused and you will be confused as well so yeah but that's just the way i ride americans mostly ride with the western range hold some of them do the split reins but french people like me um we usually never do the western range hold but i learned it that way so i do it every day you know how, like in westerns, when they get the horse to go faster, they go like "yeah." Mm-hmm. What's the? Is there a French word? Is this? Do you say the same thing? All right, I'll answer you seriously and not seriously. The serious answer is whatever works fine with your horse, do it. That's the serious answer. Mm-hmm. Or you could say "yeah," or you could say "u," which means go forward. Let's go. But you don't need to shout, you don't need to scream, you don't need to go yippee yippee because if you're working with your horse, if you know your horse, all you have to do is apply a little pressure on his ribs and he will go. You, you don't you don't necessarily have to scream. I never scream with my horses. I just I just communicate with them properly and then we go. I never shout. Never, ever. All right, man. Well, that's cool. Listen, I like hearing about all this stuff I didn't know about. But look, we got to... We, we got to listen to another song and then maybe we'll uh, we'll say goodbye. Okay, no problem. So I'd like to listen to Eternal Annihilator. A good choice. Which is from, uh, from The Wrath of Code and uh, we're going to listen to that right now.
And that was Eternal Annihilator from The Wrath of Code by Dan Terminus. And we were talking about horse riding. <laughs> yes, which, which is good, you know. We don't necessarily have to speak about synthwave and how monotonous and shallow it is. Well, that we, is we why can... this show is called Beyond Synth. Exactly. Qu'est-ce que c'est le, le mot pour ranch? Ranch. This is how we say it in French, but we don't use the word ranch. We say écurie. Écurie, which is, well, roughly speaking, it's stables. So you go there and you have your horses at the écurie. Well, that makes sense, because equestrian is, uh, it means horse stuff in English. The other word is, for example, carrière. The carrière is the place where you train. So you go, you know, you go round and round or you learn the different paces of your horse in the carrière. Mm -hmm. And then you have the manège, which is basically a place in which you train with other people. And all the horses and um, the, the manège is covered so even if it rains or snows you can still practice under it and the carrière is just in the open and if you fall you you crash in the dust because I fell off my horse last week I landed on my back still hurts but uh, I got back on the saddle just like like five seconds after that you know just looking so tough and go like yeah doesn't hurt and, and, <laughs> and then after five minutes the riding instructor was like are you okay and I was like I'm not feeling too good you know so I, I finished the lesson but but it's cool you know riding a horse and saying I don't want to fall off my horse it's just like going skiing and saying I don't want to fall. You will fall, whatever happens. I see. I'd always get worried about getting kicked. But don't stand behind the horse if you don't want to be kicked. That's <laughs> that simple. <laughs> Just, I mean, come on. It, it, this is called logic. If you get to your horse, you know, if you call him by his name, if you step all to your left, to your right, so he can see you, he won't kick you. I guess they can't kick sideways, can they? They fucking can't. <laughs> They fucking can't kick sideways. They, they will kick you if you stand behind them or if they are in a bad mood. But you, you always have to be on the lookout. You always have to be, let's say, alert because horses are easily frightened animals. Even if you know your horse by heart, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is all good advice for me. <laughs> I'm going to see if I can sort of translate this horse information to uh, running the... I guess this is the longest running Synthwave podcast. Sure it is. Is there another one? No. Uh, but from my own point of view, uh, I only considered your podcast because it's funny. And uh, you were kind enough to invite me to discuss about horses, castles, motorcycles, um, ass piercing and stuff like that. Well, yeah, that's right. But, but, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and I, don't, I don't do that, okay? I don't pierce my own ass, but I know some people do. And um, I, I was invited for other podcasts, but every time the people at this, the last time said hey i can't do it you know because i'm delayed let's talk next week and every time they never got back to me so i only know your own podcast <laughs> i don't know if that's a form of flattery a yeah. compliment or just <laughs> yeah. a fucking joke but that's are, just, are, yeah, just that's <laughs> i like yours because you were on time well look man it's always nice to chat with you likewise likewise sir over all these years uh, uh meeting you in the early days of the show you're always uh, a fun guy to chat with and i look forward to uh hearing more dan terminus and seeing where you go and all that shit and have fun horse riding well thanks i definitely will i'm just uh going back riding tomorrow i'll be riding on my horse tomorrow and um uh, maybe you'll hear some new dan terminus music 
one of these days. If I feel like writing another album, then I will. I will let you know. All right, man. <laughs> it's cool. It's, it's always a pleasure talking with you. The first 10 minutes are always, hey, hey. And then it gets wild in the end. That's what I like. <laughs> All right, dude. Well, look, it was great talking to you. Yeah, likewise, sir. All right, and that was my conversation with Dan Terminus. That was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters, Jacob Wick with the 4488 and City Hunter with the 42. You guys are pretty cool guys. And so is Lucas Ceballos with the 2666. Uh, look, let's listen to some more music here. Here's a track by Mikwa. I think that's how you would say this. M-C-R-O-I. Mikwa. 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 <laughs> that's a hard thing to say, dude. Because Mikwa. Fuck me. The French word for king, but it's hard to say. Mik Mikwa. Mik. How do you fucking say that? M-C-R-O-I. You say it. I'm yelling at the audience now. Anyway, Mc, Mc, McRoy? Or is it McRoy? It's just when I see ROI, I think wah. Oh my god. <laughs> Here's to 200 more episodes of this shit. Uh, listen, this is a cool song. It's called To Be Continued featuring Eva. Tell me how to pronounce it, dude. Is it McRoy? Or is it McWah? Because that would be helpful information. Uh, but what's more important is that it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. With the 26, it's Hugh Hefner. Hi, Hugh Hefner. Uh, <laughs> You're a cool lady. And then uh, and then my buddies in the $25 club. There's Clint Dowling. And hey, Restless Nights, new $25 donor. And Honeybeard and Tim Carlton. And here is McWah with... To be continued featuring Eva.
And that was McQua or McRoy. Probably McQua. God, that's hard to say. Uh, that song was called To Be Continued featuring Eva, and it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club, Mr. Johnny Five, Emilio Estevez, Kempson, and Martin Larby. You guys are all pretty cool. So how about we just keep this phone call thing going, and let's... um. Well, I haven't talked to this dude in over five years. Let's give a little call to Python Blue. Hello. Hey, is this Python Blue? Yes, it's definitely been a while, but yes, it's me. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, man? Uh, It's going all right. So I'm taking a look back at uh, the early years of the show and seeing what people have been up to and stuff. And uh, and obviously I had uh, I had you on in I think season two, which was uh, many many years ago. But since then you've sort of kind of changed gears a bit, right? Yes, that's correct. Technically, what I've done is I've migrated over to soundtrack work. Most of my current projects are for games and game jam submissions, like those kinds of projects. I still try to retain a retro sound, but I guess you could say I'm trying to be a little more diverse nowadays. So what what kind of stuff have you been uh, working on? Well, a good chunk of what I've been working on lately have been admittedly game jams. What is, what is a game jam? I actually first learned of the concept through a local meetup for game developers. Basically, the way a game jam works is that game developers are allowed to join in and then they have to make a game relating to a certain theme within a very limited amount of time. Okay. So it's sort of like a contest as well as a means to challenge those who participate. I personally am not technically a participant, but I have been contributing music to someone who is. Okay, I get it. So, like, you've got a buddy who goes in and he actually, like, will make a game, like, in in the game jam and then you provide the music for it? Exactly, yes. Okay, okay. I went to a meetup of game, like, a game developers thing, like, years and years ago because there was this moment where I woke up one day and the sun shone down on my head (laughs) and I realized that... I needed to be the guy who made the proper successor to Goldeneye because ah. no one's doing it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm not a game developer at all. Like, I have no skills. And, like, maybe this was, like, in 2016 or something. I don't know. I, I remember I just, I woke up and then hmm. and then I, I wanted to try and start learning 3D animation so I could make, like, a trailer. And I started, anyways, <laughs> it was this ridiculous thing. But, yeah, there was, like, a few weeks of my life where I would go to these sort of meetups and try and talk to people. But I found it was tricky because everyone there was sort of really focused on their own projects. Yes, I've gotten that impression a few times myself. Not not that that's a bad thing. It means it means they're dedicated, but they certainly can be a little focused. Yeah, like and it's a definitely like it's a certain type of person and so it's like it was I don't know what I was expecting exactly. Like I was going to like burst in the door and be like I got some great ideas and like a whole bunch of people be like I'll help you with that, but really it was more of a place where people you know, like like-minded people could get together and like show off the builds of their games, and everyone could sort of quietly just sort of work on stuff and give critiques if necessary. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, how often do those game jam things happen? It's hard for me to say because I'm not the one actually joining in them. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> I, I would say an average from what I've been involved with so far, I would say a few times a year. I mean, they're, they're relatively small scale. I only contributed an average of only two pieces for them, but it's still fun to expand my horizons for a bit. Like. Currently, for instance, I am contributing music for a, a game jam whose theme is basically for adventure games. 
the guy I'm working for essentially decided to do a throwback to the Mist games. Right. So that do you are you using Mist as an inspiration then, or among other sources? Yes. When you the the new stuff you make, are you still Python Blue? Like, is that still your yes, thing? Yes, that is still my username. Okay. Well, anyways, whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but and and I do still keep some hints of my old sound, particularly when it comes to how dated some of the sound libraries I use are. So what else have you been up to? I feel because I don't think I I had you on the show. That was probably like like five years ago, right? So yeah, it's definitely been a while, that much I can recall. Yeah. <laughs> so has a lot changed in your life, or are you still in the well, same zone? I think I think the biggest thing that's changed beyond my music is that I used to live in Connecticut, but now I moved further north, oddly enough, near Canada now. <laughs> well, that's cool. Does that uh, change any of the music-making atmosphere for you? Or It's hard to say when it comes to the atmosphere of music-making, but I definitely feel like there are more social opportunities, including for spreading my music here in Vermont, that is. Vermont? Who the hell else? Who else lives in Vermont? I feel like there's other synth people in Vermont. I don't know the answer offhand, yeah. admittedly, but I, I do remember a joke from a political comedy group saying that there were more sheep than there are people. I don't know if that's true or not, but it certainly is a farming heavy place and the population is relatively low. Yeah. Do you see lots of sheep? Not much, but I do live somewhat near a farm. I don't think I see too many sheep around. Like, I grew up in a small town and there's like horses and cows and shit, but I don't see sheep very often. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't see too many sheep myself either. I remember there was this place outside of my town that had a fucking emu in it. Oh, wow. Wow, that's yeah. exotic. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, um, I want to, uh, I'm, I'm just going to go and uh, pick a few random Python blue tracks to uh, to listen to uh, while we chat. So I thought I would uh, play this one because this was uh, one of my favorites of yours from back in the day, man. This is uh, 80s-esque revamped by Python Blue.
And that was 80s-esque revamped by Python Blue, and I'm here with Python Blue catching up. It's been many, many years since I've uh, chatted with you. Yes, it definitely has been a while. So when I started doing the show, you know, the scene had sort of existed for a little bit, and then it obviously started to grow into the point where there's like so many artists like making that type of music and stuff. Yes. And obviously, and you're sort of changed a bit your, your direction, but have you noticed any of those like changes that the scene has gone on since like you started making music to you know now when i first joined in the scene there was a lot of supportiveness within the community between fellow producers but now it's i guess one reason why i shifted away is because i felt it got a little too competitive for my liking sure well i mean there is a ton of people making the stuff now Nowadays, definitely. Yes, that that's true. Uh, like, a lot of the people now, are, I feel like, are almost taking their inspiration from other synthwave producers, like, you know, from, yes. like, the, the early times, whereas there are still people who take their sound from the, the source, like, the, you know, like, the 80s source, and, like, definitely with your yes. stuff, and there's, like, the kind of, like, the Gary Newman vibe and, like, things like that <laughs> that you sort of bring to your tunes. And, and even with my current work, I'm heavily inspired by notable soundtrack producers at the time, like Brad Fidel, the Terminator composer. I've recently grown into his Fright Night soundtrack, for instance. Yeah, because I was just watching Terminator the other day, man. I love his... Uh, for that and Terminator 2, I think those scores are wicked. Yes, they're, they're, they definitely are a huge inspiration for me. It's weird, though. I'm not too familiar with his other stuff. Like, I'm... I'm I've uh, pretty much only Terminator movies when I think of him, but I guess he obviously has done more. Yes, he has done more, but I myself was surprised how relatively little known his other projects were. Aside from Fright Night, which featured his one singing attempt that I can recall. Um, aside from that, I have a soundtrack from a 1994 movie called Blink. It was a thriller movie of sorts. I, I did like the music for that. And I believe he also did the music for True Lies, which was another James Cameron movie. With the stuff that you're doing now, is your process different to when it was before, like when you're making stuff? Well, it certainly can be when it comes to what kinds of sounds I use, but I would say it's relatively consistent in terms of the songwriting process. I am using a little more live improvisation when composing. Okay, what about like your equipment setup and stuff? Has any of that changed? I have gotten quite a huge collection of sample CDs as of recently. You, you find them in a junkyard? Well, not exactly that, thankfully. <laughs> uh, I, I bought this huge collection of music production sample CDs from a seller on Reverb, and it's got so many classics in it. Mostly 90s-centric, but there are, there are a few throwbacks, the 80s included as well, from what I've listened to so far. There's still people that, like, sell stuff on CDs? Well, technically, these are dated sample libraries, so... Okay, okay. So, so these were generated from the 90s, so CDs were kind of the standard then. Yeah, I remember when I first got a CD, I think they changed the way they were made, or unless, like, when they went into full production for, um, you know, like, recordable CDs, because I remember I, yes. I had, like, Batman 1989 soundtrack, and that CD is, like, three times thicker than some of the CDs I would end up using, like, towards the end of the CD life. I didn't notice that, personally, but... Yeah, like, the, some of the earlier ones were actually just physically thicker. Interesting. I guess it's sort of like the floppy disk era, in which the bigger, older floppy disks were actually floppy, hence the name. <laughs> yeah, that's true, actually. I joke that CDs are antiquated, but I still technically do use CDs for certain things. I still burn mixes for the car and stuff. Yeah, I, I've still got a CD 
CD, an external CD drive for my computer myself, mostly for loading those CDs and a few games as well, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing, man, because I remember when I got my stupid iMac, because I got the one where the CD drive, they, they no longer had a CD drive in it. Yeah, yeah. And I didn't read properly, like I didn't know that was about to happen. Yeah. And all of my software were all on these old discs. I didn't upgrade a lot of my, my software, and I'm like, what the fuck? And then I had to go buy a stupid yeah. external. Yeah, I, I, I can't help but be frustrated with Apple's pushing quote-unquote progress with that kind of thing. Like, lately I've been crazy about trying to keep my programs compatible for the next Mac operating system, for instance. Because the big thing is that they're going to be depleting 32-bit support. Ah, oh, fuck me. That's probably going to affect me some way. Every time they do a stupid update... And then, like, just the weirdest things will break. They'll do an upgrade, and all of a sudden, like, the font I always use won't work or something. Like, it's always it's always something, because I still use an old version of Word. And, like, I don't want to buy the new... Cause I think the new thing, you have to buy, like, a subscription or some shit. Yeah, I have no stuff myself. I think you can purchase a one-time fee, but I think that's an option, but it's definitely overpriced for it being the standard. Yeah, no, it's fucking baloney. So the version I use, they keep on giving me that warning, like they've been giving me that for like a year like, this is outdated, and like it kind of looks more pixelated than the rest of the screen. Hmm. And then uh, I know like with the next update, it'll be like, this doesn't work anymore at all. And I'm like, It won't you. even do that. I tried the Catalina beta, Catalina being the name of the next OS, and it won't even launch and give you a warning. It just doesn't launch. The biggest thing for me is I have these old sound libraries. And so I had like 80 gigs of, you know, like movie and TV sound effects and stuff. Yes. And they're AIFF files, technically, but they're like an older version. So like they're encoded differently? Is that yeah, 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 yeah. And, and eventually Mac stopped the compatibility with them. And that was about maybe like two years ago. And so oh. there was a point in time where there was a crossover where I should have taken advantage because I can just throw them into compressor like in bulk and then just convert them to waves or convert them to whatever. Or AIFFs, mm-hmm. those newer ones. Yeah. And no, and some of them weren't. Some of them were these things called sound idea files. Which are like Oh, I haven't heard of that one, but I am familiar with the company at least. Yeah, and they had like their their thing, they were like S S D I whatever but the point was Mac would play them natively. Like you could just you know, hold space bar and play them and it would be fine. Yes. Then they got rid of the support for it, so now I have like at least like forty gigs of my sound effects I I didn't have time to convert and so like Yeah. I literally just I mean I'm sure I can download a stupid program like Flack or any of those idiot things like Well actually maybe maybe Audacity could pull it off. Like I know they they even support samples dump standard. Okay. Yeah. That's the thing, it's like it's it's all just about being able to do it in bulk. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Audacity is a one file per process thing, unfortunately, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, that's true. Um look, I wanna listen to another song and then maybe we can fucking uh, we can wind down here so this was another one i enjoy uh, uh some classic python blue this is electric dreams
And that was Electric Dreams by Python Blue. And I'm here catching up with Python Blue. It's been a, been five years. Did any, any significant like life changes in in that time? Did you start going to the gym? Did you did you start? I don't know. I'm just uh, I'm trying to think of what people do. Did you, you're fine. You're fine. I actually have been going to the gym more. There you go. I don't know why that was the first thing I went to. <laughs> you're fine. You're fine. We haven't been terribly in touch, so yeah. it's understandable. <laughs> <laughs> well, look, man. Listen, it was uh, it was good to catch up with you. What's uh, what's coming up, man? You, you are you working on things right now, or are you you doing anything? Right after this call, I'm going to be busy with getting on top of the game jam music, and as well as beta testing a game that I, a full game that I agreed to make music for as well. Cool. Is it? Do you like the game? Yes, definitely. I, I definitely feel connected to this game, and not just because I'm making music for it. I, the story I find very compelling. It's it's basically an adventure game of sorts with with a few beat 'em up elements to it. <laughs> nice. Yeah. What else have you been? Have you been uh, doing any gaming or anything in the the past little while? Or well, I have. I have mostly older games. In fact, I have been streaming a lot on Twitch lately. My usually games, but sometimes music production as well. What's your What's your Twitch? Basically, my musician name only no space in between. So Python Blue, no space. What have you been playing? Just last night, I was trying to play Amnesia. <laughs> what happens in it? It's kind of hard to say because there have been a lot of mods and custom stories for it over the years. Some of which I made music for. But the main story is basically you wake up and you're trying to re- recollect your memories while trying to avoid monsters. <laughs> Just like my everyday life. I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> Same for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, man. So people can uh, find you on Twitch playing games and stuff, and you're still making music, so that's cool. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Awesome. Well, look, listen, it was good to talk to you. Nice to get a little update here. And if people want to check out your music, where do they... You st- do you still have the same Bandcamp? Like, everything's still there, right? I still have Bandcamp, yes. And I'm also using... I also have my music on Spotify. Cool. I've been pr- I, I, I've been pretty active with trying to promote my Spotify as well as my Patreon page when possible. Awesome, man. Well, look, you have a lovely day out there in Vermont. Yes, yeah, same to you. <laughs> it's good to catch up, and uh, we look forward to hearing more uh, more Python Blue in the future. And uh, I wish you well in your future endeavors. Thank you. Same to you. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right, and that was my conversation with Python Blue. That was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $25 club, Mr. Gregorio Franco and Blake Peterson. You guys are neat. You know, you can support uh, Beyond Synth by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth. Uh, you can also support the show uh, with PayPal. Uh, you just go to the Beyond Synth website and click on the PayPal button. Is there an address? Sometimes I see people post like the paypal.me address. Maybe I should post that on my uh, Twitter or something. But uh, let's worry about that later. So how about we listen to a song and then maybe we'll uh, make another phone call. So here's some cool synthwave styles from Magnavolt. Uh, this track's called Beyond Darkness, and it's brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Rachel Buchelman with the 1985, and Murat with the 1984, and Mr. Jimpy with the 17. Uh, did I tell you guys that those are all cool people? Yeah, I think you knew it. All right, man, let's listen up. This is Magnavolt with Beyond Darkness.
And that was Beyond Darkness by Magnavolt. And that's a cool track. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters. There's Hampus ML and Ken Giroux in the $15 Club. And then in the almost $15 Club, there's Chatterack. Chatterack's a cool guy. Well, you're all cool people. I mean, that's the bottom line. And, uh, you know, obviously all the support to Beyond Synth is uh, greatly appreciated. So... Let's keep this uh, this going here, man. Let's give a call to somebody else. Well, I'm on like a talking to people from five years ago's kick from five years ago's. <laughs> uh, let's give uh, let's give Vector Sector a call. Hello. Well, hey, is this Vector Sector? Uh, no. Let me check my ID here. Um. Oh. Looks like I used to use that name, yeah. Yeah, I think you got him. You see, that's the whole premise of today. I'm looking back on the early years of the show, and so that's why I thought I'd uh, give you a little ring here, Mr. John Gray Vogel. That's really cool, man. I appreciate it. I've been MIA for a while, so it's been uh, about almost five years exactly. Yeah, man. You were in uh, season two. You were the first guest where I ever tried doing a, a double guest episode. So it was Vector Sector and Hauer. There's all these little... Um whatchamacallems, uh, uh, evolutions as the show sort of progressed. And so that was like the first time I thought, maybe I can do like a like a half and half show. And uh, that's where you and I met. Yeah. All those years ago. Now, mind you, your voice sounds a little different today because I remember last time after I did the show, everyone said that you sounded exactly like Jake Freeman, a.k.a. Protector 101. Mm-hmm. And I thought it would be funny to have you two on the show sometime to compare. But wait, I'd have to make sure that you guys had the same microphones. I'd have to do it right. Oh, of course. <laughs> For science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm a, I'm a big, I'm big into uh, very useful scientific experiments. So you you made music as Vector Sector back in the day, but mm-hmm. then uh, you've been on a sort of a musical pause, or what happened? Tell me your story. So, you know, I never actually put out a full EP or even a a full-length release as Vector Sector. did a bunch of uh, compilation appearances, um, licensed out to a video game, did the Outrunners webcomic, but, you know, I never managed to get myself in gear and and get everything out there. And that's, that's typical me. So it's been kind of a slow five years. I I still have all that material. I, I recently thought about just throwing everything out there that I had, all the material that I released and um, any demos I might have, just to see if anybody remembers me. (laughs) Oh, the other thing, too, is recently I saw uh, a post from 2013 where I made the uh, top 10 at New Retro Wave, and I was like, oh, you know, when I was a one-hit wonder, I one time cracked the top 10 at New Retro Wave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's cool, though, because I mean, I like looking back and seeing, you know, where everybody sort of went and the stuff that they did, because like when the show was starting out, I was getting a lot of my guests like right from the synthetics community. Mm -hmm. And then uh, and then it was slowly in the later seasons that I started to sort of branch out and really like do work, I suppose. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I don't like to work that much. It's a I'm a lazy guy. Um, So what's been going on, though, in the in in the interim years? Are you still making music and and doing different things or is it more of just it became more of like a hobby in the background? Yeah. um, You know, I got kind of overwhelmed there for a while there. I was even it's like you say, for a while there, all 
all seemed to be uh, extension of synthetics. And I was even moderating the, the Facebook page for a while. And then everything just seemed to really blow up. And, and you've stayed up with it, but I just really lost pace with everybody. You know, I keyed in on a few people that I, I kept up with the music. But uh, as far as my own output, I started doing um, <laughs> more gaming than, than anything else and became a bit of a lazy slob. But recently, I've been doing some different stuff. I um, reached out to um, a drummer. I've been playing with a live drummer. I've been playing bass guitar again. Thought about doing some punk. And then that went to post-punk and all kinds of weirdness. And um, now my fiance, in the meantime, uh, Nico, she's been keeping busy. She's been recording with, uh, like, like Vandal Moon. Um, she recorded a track with Vandal Moon. And, uh, of course, Blake just worked with FM Attack yeah. uh, on their brand new record. So, <laughs> in a weird sense, um, my fiance, Nico, has been much closer to the synthwave scene than I have. But we're going to put together some stuff we're working on. Um, synth pop, I think. So that, and then I've been thinking about uh, doing some quirky Devo-esque covers of really unlikely songs. Well, how about this? Let's listen to a song, and then we'll we'll keep talking. Uh, this is a track called From Falling to Flight by Vector Sector. Thank you. 
Vector Sector with the track from Falling to Flight from 2015, and I'm here right now with Vector Sector John. Although I believe the the hyphen gray part is an old nickname, if I remember correctly, all these years ago. That's right. Yep. And uh, and you're a cool guy, and it's nice to catch up with you again. Oh yeah, and uh, thanks for playing that track. That's um, I'd actually forgotten about that one. It was a real one-off kind of fantasy Falcor thing, and uh, it was cool to think about that one again. So um, you say you've been doing a lot of gaming. That's what's been going on. You've been what have you been playing, man? I like to play um, very simple things like Battlefront, the Star Wars game. It's uh, not a lot of thought there, and I like open sandbox games so Red Dead Redemption 2 the the real gem recently has been the Spider-Man game on PS4 uh, as, as a Spider-Man fan that's just been uh, hooping hollering good time. Did you end up playing the DLC? I only played the main game. Yeah, I played it all. I uh, I think I got 100% on, like, and I don't do that on games. I think I played every bit of it I could do. How was the DLC? Was it any good? Uh, the DLC was not bad. Um, some of it was more fleshed out than others. Um, the only thing I, I didn't like was one of them focused really heavily on that annoying YouTube star character. I don't know if you remember her. I can't remember her name now, but she was awesome. Awful. <laughs> she was the worst villain ever. What? I'm trying to think, what character was that? What part was that at? She would, like, taunt Spider-Man to get YouTube's viewers, her oh, fans. Oh, and- yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, like one of those little stupid side mission things. Yeah, yeah. 
What about you, man? Uh, what are you playing? My son hogs the PlayStation, so I play a lot of Tetris 99 on the Switch. Oh, yeah. Last night, I just stayed up until, like, 6 in the morning playing uh, Luminous. I don't know if you know that game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love that one. And I hadn't played it in a while, so I played it till my wrist said stop. You are <laughs> living the life over there, my friend. Well, it was the weekend, you know. Uh, I, I, you know I've, been get, I've been working a job I hate, so yeah. uh, I decided, you know what? I'm not going to worry about what time I have to get up. I, I'm off tomorrow. I'm going to stay because I've been getting up early and then going to bed like, you know, nine, ten o'clock like I was old. (laughs) (laughs) I think I don't get enough sleep. And so anytime I sit on the couch and like go to play games, I just fall asleep because I want to play more games with my son. Like I want to be more like active there, Mm -hmm. but I don't like watching him play Fortnite. So I keep on trying to find like games that... (laughs) That the two of us can play together. So we've been playing that overcooked game, which is a lot of fun when you're in the kitchen and stuff. But like every time I go to play a game with him and then he's all excited and then like five minutes in, I'm like, ah, I just kind of set my controller down and like, you can uh, you can do the rest. And then I just sort of pass out. How old's your son? Uh, he's eight. Oh, okay. See, I got a 14-year-old stepson. He comes over and for a while there, I tried to play Rocket League with him. I don't know if you've ever played that. It's like cars and soccer and uh, because the teams are so small, it's like three people. I was such a detriment to have that he just didn't <laughs> really want to play with me, you know. <laughs> yeah, like that's one of the things. I'm not. I'm not too huge into sports games, but Rocket League I can handle because it has like the car aspect. But I'm not good at it. I can handle it as in I can play it. Mm-hmm. Tetris I'm decent at, but I find Tetris becomes really addicting. So it's like it's like triggering the gambling aspect in my brain, where like once I start playing, I just have to I know I can get first so I have to keep playing until I do <laughs> yeah. and so sometimes I'm like I'm just going to bed and I'm like oh, I'll just put on Tetris and then I'll be like 26th place I'm like no and then I play again and like <laughs> uh, oh and I just have to keep playing and like the most frustrating thing is I think yesterday I was playing and I got like second like three times in a row and I was just like oh my god like I know I can do this and then eventually like I get angry and like that's how I go to bed. That's exactly what happened to me last night is I just kept playing because each game you know if you're if you're good enough you're playing 35 40 minutes you know yeah um, at least on Luminous that game can go on a while and then you're like no 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 I know I can do better than that and, and the next thing you know it's six in the moan and I miss those days pulling like all nighters like I think there have been a few times where I've tried to get some work done and so I'll like get all jacked up on caffeine but then usually around like four I still go like uh and then I just fuck up the whole rest of my the next day I stay up late I'm not very productive when it is that late but I think like I'll get stuff done and then it ends up being like this double-edged fucking nonsense where I sort of didn't get any work done at night didn't get enough sleep and then didn't get any work the next day because I was fucking out of it. <laughs> yeah. There's some days I walk out of work and I'm like, am I high? I feel like I'm high. <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> Why am I so fuzzy? People pay for this? <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, that's the thing, man. If you don't have drugs, just uh, just get a job you don't like, and uh, these things will all fall into place. Yeah. Look, I want to listen to another song, man, so we're going to listen to this one, another uh, Vector Sector track from back in the day. This is the, was it the Zeta City or Zeta City? Zeta? Zeta City Slasher, yeah. That, that That's my one-hit wonder, and that's the one that ended up being on the um, Vigilantes video game, available on Steam. Vigilantes, what's that game? Oh, yeah. I have never actually played it much, um, but I got a, a call from a, not a call, a message from a guy who's a video game developer, and it's some kind of turn-based, neo-noir, 80s, you know, this is a bad city kind of place, and uh, turn-based strategy thing, and whenever you go into combat mode, Zeta City Slasher, or a version of it, is uh, your combat music. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah, I'll check that out, but in the meantime, we're going to listen to it. This is uh, the Zeta City Slasher by Vector Sector.
And that was Vector Sector with the track The Zeta City Slasher. And I'm here right now with Vector Sector, Mr. John Gray Vogel. And I have not talked to you in five years. And that's what this episode of Beyond Synth is all about, is talking to people I haven't talked to in a long time and seeing what's uh, what's going on. So the fact that you're just sitting around playing games till six in the morning means to me that you are a hero among men. No, it means I need to get my ass in the studio. Studio and, and do something productive with my time. Because, you know, I, I don't want to, you know, I'm disappointing my dozens of fans. <laughs> <laughs> now, you know, I do occasionally get a message from somebody saying, you know, when are you going to do, you know, where, where's that? Because originally I was going to turn Zeta City Slasher into a whole, like, uh, a score, you know, like yeah. do the Protector 101 thing. And, um, there's a, you know, I put out a couple of extra tracks on YouTube, um, Killer known as Hex is related to Zeta City Slasher. I do hope to do that at least for the one or two people, literally, that uh, keep asking <laughs> about that. <laughs> Well, that's cool, man. So, what uh, like do you do? You plan on uh, on getting back into the zone there and making some tunes? You got? I mean, do you have like a studio set up or like what's been going on with that? I I do. Um, you know, I got. Uh I got uh, my position was deleted at my old job, so I got some severance money. I'm like, well, I got some time and I got some money. What do I do? So I uh, revamped my studio, reclaimed my basement from the kingdom of the spiders, and uh, <laughs> built it up down there pretty nice. And then uh, proceeded to never go down there. Was there a lot of spiders? Yeah, it was terrifying. <laughs> Well, how do you defeat spiders? Like, you have to find the source? Like, is there was there, like, a nest? I don't really understand. Uh, like, I I mean, I've lived in lots of places that have lots of spiders, but there's only, like, you know, one big spider that's there, or, like, another spider. I don't know what to do when you have, like, spiders. Well, it was open rafters down there, so it was almost like this netting of just webs. And so, and it was it was fall, so they were they were all long gone, you know, to Florida for the for the season. <laughs> do spiders migrate? Is that what they do? No, I, I think they just die. Okay. I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to be too depressing. <laughs> You're gonna upset my listeners, all the spider lovers. <laughs> yeah, man, but I do want to get back in the game. I don't know what exactly I want to do yet, um, but you know, it's never too far away from a dark synth sound. You know, how did uh, Nico get involved with? all this stuff then was that through you no uh you know she recorded her own stuff it was up on soundcloud and um a guy named nico hit her up a couple of summers ago nico beatastic i think his artist name is and so she just started doing guest vocals and then so last year i bought this like contraption of pvc pipe and uh sound shielding and and put together a really terrible little vocal booth for her but uh she's been in demand and that's that's been cool she did that all under her own steam she didn't have to ride on my nobody coattails (laughs) (laughs) she certainly wouldn't have gotten anywhere on my coattails i doubt your listeners even remember me frankly well, see, that's the whole point, though, you see, because when this show started, the synthwave scene was a certain thing, and it sort of evolved and, and morphed over the years. That's what I've been talking uh, about with a lot of the people that I've had on the show. 
And so it's fun to go back and listen. And I'm reminded of people who I chatted with. I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, like, whatever happened to Python Blue? You know, like, just like this, things like this. And then Vector Sector. And uh, oh, yeah. and there's a bunch of other people who I've been chatting with from the early days. And it's, uh, I don't know, it's cool, man. I think if people uh, are listening now and they're like, they don't remember, then... Uh, I'll make them remember, damn it. That's cool. I remember Python Blue. He was obsessed with Gary Newman. And uh, he made some really beautiful stuff, too. So, yeah. That's cool. I can't, I'm kind of excited to hear you catch up with them. So, look, listen. I don't. <laughs> I'll look and listen. Yeah, man. I'm not. Uh, somehow this thing amazingly lasted 200 episodes, and I'm not sure how. I'm not exactly good at doing my job. Congratulations, and you know what? Um, I, I can't say I've seen every episode or heard every episode, but I've always enjoyed it. It's always a fun time. Um, you're a funny guy. You're uh, kind of a, a cartoon. <laughs> so it's, <laughs> so it's, it, it's really cool to talk to you. Well, it's nice to, to catch up with all the people who made who made the cool music, you know? Like, a lot of people now, I feel like the new the new synthwave acts that come in, they're sort of more inspired by previous synthwave. Mm-hmm. So it's it's fun to look back at the, the early days of the scene. Where synthetics, remember remember when synthetics was, like, a group of, like, 200 people? Yeah. Remember that? Yes. It was a very different time because everyone sort of, it, it wasn't like everyone wasn't necessarily taking, like, that much inspiration from everybody else. It was all just taking the inspiration from the stuff that they grew up with more so. And you could tell like oh this guy's more influenced by the industrial side of things and you knew everybody too like you know it got to the point where um you know i had a friends list of like 1500 and i was like you know what i'm, I'm really just gonna have to narrow down the neon here and uh, to the people that i really know and talk to and, and you must know what i mean you must you know being so involved have a lot to juggle there and remembering people from night wolf to neon wolf to you know, <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of wolves. Yeah. And that's exactly why I found myself having to, even with my listening habits, narrow down and be like, okay, there's a lot of, lot of stuff here, but who's exceptional? And like Nightcrawler's a good example. Really good artist. Um, I've always been a fan of um, Mega Drive. Um, and I don't know if he's still producing or not, but, you know, I, I found that I was just, got to the point where I was like, well, I'm just, I'll just keep up with the people I know and whatever crosses my path that someone tells me about. If it's good, I'll keep up with it, but it's overwhelming. Oh, yeah, man. I mean, I and my brain doesn't even hold all this information anyway, so that's the only time it gets a little weird is when people message me and, like, I only know them as their alias, <laughs> and so then when I see their real name, I don't know who I'm talking to, and then, like, <laughs> later on, they'll sort of act like I should have known, or, or, you know what I mean? Or they might add, like, oh, you know, I'm so-and-so, I'm like, oh, okay, and, and I'm not being rude, it's just that there is so many, I can barely remember the artist names, let alone the, and then, like, there's aliases on top of aliases, so it's like there's the person's artist name, their real name, their Twitter handle, their Twitch handle, mm-hmm. you know, like, there's yeah. a, their SoundCloud name, like, there's all these things are different, and I just can't fucking, I can't keep track of all Well, that and then there's people like me, like, I, I get into this idea where I want to brand things, and so you may or may not recall, they've also recorded under Merkbot. Yes. Which is... That was like your horror stuff, right? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not synthwave. It's, it's electronic, but it's all scary. <laughs> <laughs> you know, definitely more of the uh, distorted beats and breaks, like, you know, a busted speaker playing Beastie Boys with monsters in it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> 
that's an, that's an awesome descriptor. Well, look, let's listen to another track and then we can wind down here. So I want to listen to uh, Sonar Mode by Vector Sector.
that was Vector Sector with the track Sonar Mode. And I'm here right now with Vector Sector, Mr. John hyphen gray. Uh, and uh, we're having a good little reminisce here. It's been like five years since I uh, talked to you last time. Officially, sure. Uh, but I have enjoyed uh, bouncing back with you every now and then on Messenger. Yes, well, this is yeah in, in voice format. Sorry, let me be clear. In the- <laughs> yeah, um, just not too long ago, we were talking about video, video. I want to name drop them. They are so good. <laughs> and uh, I'm looking forward to something new from them. Yeah, that's another one I've been trying to uh, get them on the show because I think like individually they all do solo stuff or several of them do. Mm-hmm. So I've been in contact with some like from the like the solo parts. But my my thing is like I really I don't know why I'm being stubborn about this. I want I want to do the video video one first. Mm-hmm. Like I like I don't want to do like the solo ones and then do video video. And so and, and I don't know how often those guys get together or if they do. Yeah. I mean, that's one where I've I think that's been an ongoing like I messaged them probably like fucking three years ago or four years ago. Like, hey, we should do a video video show. And they're like, yeah, man. Like, you know, and then it just sort of keeps, you know, like like with a lot of people. That's like a lot of the work with this show. It's like the behind the scenes where I message with someone. And the longest one so far is I did a show with uh, May Telvin a few episodes ago, the French artist. And uh, one of these days, I'm just going to take a screenshot of the conversation because it started in like early 2017. And like it was just this thing that just kept on going. And then like every few months, like... Hey man, you come on and like, oh yeah, we'll we'll do it this time. Oh, I'm not going to be able to do that. Okay, and then it just kept going until finally we recorded like two years later. And yeah, man, it's a lot of uh, organization stuff. One of the things I remember about our conversation uh, five years ago was just how abstract it was. Because <laughs> we were talking about Legos and pink slime and <laughs> oh, that's right. We were just all over the place, man. Yeah, that was the pink slime conversation. Yeah, it's a uh, well. As I'm recording this episode, one of the things that I find funny is just considering a lot of synthwave is always about being cool and you know dark and all this other stuff. And then and then and then meanwhile, the Beyond Synth is not a cool show. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just funny that like it's this silly thing where <laughs> yeah, pink slime. I forgot about pink slime. I probably ate some the other day. I think that's probably the fun thing about it too. Is um, you know I'm a nerd. You're, you're a bit of a nerd. Oh, yeah, there's a lot of nerds. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's always fun because it's not so serious. You know, there's not a lot of putting on of airs and um, effigies of, you know, grandeur and all that. Yeah, maybe I should do a bit more of that, though. I feel like I should record this show wearing, like, some sort of a cloak with, like, a medallion. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, I need. I just, dude, I've been watching that fucking video with the, you know, the televangelist who bought that plane and they they confront him. Oh yeah, yeah. My new favorite thing is just the fucking. I mean, he made that plane so cheap, I just had to buy it. Like, I love... (laughs) Do you remember the jerk when he's giving out money to charities and the guy shows up and he goes, I can't even take my friends on my favorite plane because the leather seats are splitting and it's so embarrassed. And he's like, let me write you a check, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I guess it's uh, sad that this guy is actually real. Uh, Yeah, right? (laughs) (sighs) <sighs> Anyways, man. Well, look. Listen. It's been good to catch up with you. Uh, I'm happy you're well. Are you well? You are well, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm hanging in there, man. I'm getting old. Uh, 46 this month, so... Despite my young look, people still think I'm in my 20s, but nah, man, I'm getting up there. So it's weird. 
it's weird, but you know, overall I'm healthy and I just need to get back in the biz and, um, and you know, maybe we'll talk again. Maybe I'll have something out and uh, then we'll have a, a good reason to talk. <laughs> <laughs> I do really appreciate you getting in touch. It's been fun again. Yeah, man. Well, listen, you have a lovely day over there, and uh, I look forward to you getting back into that fucking studio now that all the spiders are gone and uh, making some cool tunes, and, you know, we'll we'll play them on the show, man, when you do them. And- Sounds great, Andy. All right, man. Take care, dude. You too. All right, and that was my conversation with Vector Sector. And that was brought to you by my awesome Beyond Synth supporters. There's Mads Baron Christensen with the 1313 and Prophet of Jupiter with the 1215. And we will never forget the immortal Chris Lane. Let's listen to another song. Um, I got the pleasure of meeting FM Attack finally at uh, Outland Toronto. Um, I talked a bit about that on the High Five from last week if you want to hear about my uh, Outland experiences. He's a cool guy. Uh, I enjoyed hanging out with him. And I thought I'd play this track because obviously I had him on the show before he released his new album. And uh, after listening to it, I think this is my favorite song. This is Ultraviolet by FM Attack. And it is brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. There's Fraser Davidson, Thundercats Ho, Dalton Bell, Heartbeat Hero, Cat Temper, Albion Algorithm, Retro Serenade, Gary Heather, and Knight of Ducks. And this is FM Attack with Ultraviolet.
that was Ultraviolet by FM Attack. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. There's Andrew Benson, Sarah Buchelman, Justin Armour, The Patch Bay, Gus Velichek, Playmaker Media, and Ashley Keegan. Hey, I saw Ashley Keegan at Outland. Um, we didn't actually really spend that much time together this time. I'm sorry for that. I was really fucking frazzled. <laughs> I mean, well, at least we got to say hi. Like, we did chat for a bit. If I ever do one of these events again, I'm going to um, try and work out a way where I can just sort of enjoy the event and socialize. I think that working during the thing can be pretty stressful, you know. But the bottom line is I appreciate uh, your support. So how about this? Let's give old Betamax a call. Hello? Well, hey, is this Betamax? Yeah, yeah, it is. Who's calling? Well, that <laughs> this isn't the billing department, is it? Because uh, I have to go. Yeah, no, the, uh, we're reclaiming your house and your car. Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah. Well, just trade me an RV so I can go on tour and uh, we'll be good. Yeah, that'd be sweet. So look, this is Nick Betamax. So I thought I'd uh, give you a call here because you were one of the guests on in the early days. Oh, yeah. Yeah. How, how long have I been calling in the show? decade yeah man like a good 23 <laughs> years it feels uh yeah it feels like a long time at least five years yeah well technically six because you were on in the the first season episode fucking 12 yeah like the pilot dude <laughs> is that the definition of pilot episode 12 yeah, whatever <laughs> one of the first ones we'll put it that way let me fucking check for sure because now i'm gonna do nerd stuff here it is oh you're episode 13 13 lucky lucky 13. <laughs> I was literally just about to say that. Good to hear from your brother. It's been been a while. Yeah, man. So when was the last time you were on? I want to say, was it last year? It was before uh, Archaic Science came out. Okay, so it's probably been a couple years. I remember when we talked, I had just watched episode eight of Twin Peaks, the black and white one. Okay, what, well, that was 2017, right? Yeah, that's, yep. All right. That's when last time we talked was. Wow, so it's it's uh, been a while. Yeah, it has. Uh, I guess we got to play some catch-up. There's been a lot going on yeah. since then. Yeah, well, you've been doing lots of, like, touring and stuff, playing music live. Yeah, yeah. It's finally broke onto the onto the live show scene and been playing not a ton, but as much as I can. So how's that going? It's going good, man. I'm going to play in London this summer at Retro Future Fest. And uh, after that, one week later, I'm going to be in Los Angeles playing uh, Encrypted on Sunset Boulevard and then heading up to San Fran the next day for Turbo Drive, I believe. And then uh, actually, I just got booked, announced in Portland, uh, that's going to be in November. Cool, man. Yeah, man. What I'm doing in this episode is sort of like reminiscing about the early years and sort of talking about how the scene has sort of evolved and changed. And mm -hmm. it's been nice to have people on the show and watch how they've grown and evolved. And you're one of the dudes who uh, you kind of went into retirement for a little while there and then you came back. Yeah, yeah, regretfully. Uh, yeah, I just was going through a lot of stuff in that at that time in my life. That was 2015. Had to dig myself out of that one, and that was when I released Plug and Play, which, as a side note, is going to be released on vinyl here pretty soon. Um, I know a lot of people wanted to get their hands on that record. And then uh, Archaic Science in 2017, and now I am working on a new record. 
it's almost done. So when you're at this this point, this sort of low point in life, then you you rose up like the phoenix. Is that <laughs> metaphor correct? Something like that. The gazelle of power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was the same year that you know Kung Fury came out, and I was involved with that soundtrack. So that was a bit of a boost for me. Not a bit. That was a huge huge deal to me. Um, let's not downplay it. I mean, it's fucking Kung Fury. That kind of like was like I was like, okay, well. Maybe I got something going I should sort of hold on to here and run with it, you know. But I think my sound is changing. I think that it's becoming less quote-unquote synthwave and more just kind of an electronic project involving synthesizers, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And this new record has a lot of new wave influences and it just, you know, it kind of has that plethora of different sounds, you know, like a bit of a disco sound. Uh, and then also, yeah, there is going to be some classic elements of synthwave in it. Can't forget about that either. But um, yeah, man, it's um, pretty excited about the new the new stuff. Well, yeah, I think because last time you were here, you had sent me all the uh, the the demos for Archaic Science. Maybe that was even before you named the thing. Possibly. Yeah, and it was a, like it was a good album, man. Like there's a lot of good tracks on there and a lot of collabs. Sort of getting into more like kind of vocal collab things. Yeah, got to work with Mecca, Haley. And uh, Rat Rios. I think those are the only two singers I featured on that record. I will be doing another song. The new record will have another song with Haley on it, as well as uh, two brand new singers that I've never never used before. So a little new, little new flavor action. That's a fun idea. Now that you just said that, because I always say Mecca Mako, but then but then I think it's actually Mecca Maiko, and now I'm just going to call her <laughs> Mecca Haley. Like, that's perfect. I just came up with a new nickname for her. Yeah, <laughs> fucking Mecca Haley. That's awesome. Free, free, free of charge. Yeah, well, it'll save me the trouble <laughs> of mispronouncing the name. Well, look, how about we uh, we listen to a track here, and then we'll, uh, we'll keep talking. So speaking of plug and play, uh, let's listen to this track, man. This is Take Off by Betamax. Cue it up.
And that was take off. Now, do you say take off or take off? I, I didn't hear a difference. Well, one uh, is take, like one is like the takeoff of a rocket, and the other one is like take off, eh? Uh, the takeoff of a rocket version. Okay, so that's take off. The emphasis on take, <laughs> whereas the other one's like take off. Like the emphasis is hey, on take off. off. Yeah, get out, get out of here, you kids. Take off. <laughs> take off, you fucking bum. Yeah, yeah. Get so, out of here, you fucking bum. Take off. <laughs> so I'm here uh, with Betamax, and some of the stuff I've been talking about this show is sort of how the synthwave scene has sort of evolved over the years and like because i started the show in 2013 you had already put out some stuff yeah so yeah so like what do you what do you feel about that man how do you feel about the scene and how it sort of changed i don't really have too much of an opinion about it i mean it's gonna it's gonna change it's gonna grow there's gonna be a lot of uh artists that are going to try and they're going to sound very similar to one another just because it's kind of a growing entity. I, I think it's still growing. You see different different people succeeding at it. I don't really know how to explain how I feel about it, but um, I guess I feel good. I, I want more people to listen. I, I, and in other words, I want it to grow and I want like at some point to be able to maybe go on a bigger tour, maybe do like a couple of week tour and really get out there. And A lot of the artists that I've seen who've come from the scene who have grown to sort of, you know, the success where they can do all these these big tours and stuff, there's always like a cross-genre aspect to them, like Perturbator or Carpenter Brood or, you know, Magic Sword or whatever, you know, like these people, they, they can do that, but I still feel like when it comes to like the, the pure synth and like the synth pop stuff, I don't know, like there's gotta be I wish I was good at business because I would try and find a different way to brand it or something to get people, because I feel like it, it's a type of music that a lot of people like when they hear it, or they like these sorts of sounds or you know like the nostalgic aspect but then when like fm84 came to toronto last time you know like they filled up the room and it was like you know like several hundred people there but then if like one of the local acts you know tries to put on like a synthwave night or something you know like you know 20 people show up so i'm like i'm sitting there and i'm going okay well obviously these people know this like if hundreds of people showed up for this show so obviously there's people here local that know synthwave and know the scene Mm -hmm. so how do you like how do you reach those people and that's a thing that i've never quite figured out really that's a good question a couple artists like dance with the dead perturbator i feel like that fits into the dark industrial crowd that's a bigger scene than a lot of people would think i mean obviously look at their turnouts yeah they're insane and i think a lot of people that are into like death metal music are really into that type of stuff too so that's speaking about carpenter brute perturbator and um you know dance with the dead and you know acts like that i think that's where they fit in with their niche which is cool because they kind of piggybacked off of other people that like you know heavier heavier type of music which is great you know as far as the synth pop stuff goes i mean you have the the giants like the midnight and you have fm84 and you have like time cop i figured those are kind of lumped into the bigger category of what is like poppier synth wave yeah i I don't know i'm trying to figure out i want to get bigger crowds at at my shows and and things like that too um i think it has a lot to do with promotion and just how well known you you are it's waiting i think for like one of those bumps 
Or like some famous person Because you know like with the Midnight They got like Captain America Tweeting about them and stuff And, and shit like that really does help I mean they're also very talented And they like they put on a good show But a lot of that stuff I mean there's so much money That has to go into Putting on a show like that I mean that's the tricky part You know when it comes to like Artists where it's like Just a solo act I can understand how that's a huge barrier You know what I mean Like when Perturbator shows up And it's like just him Well I think he has like A drummer now or something But like he, Yeah I believe he has a drummer now He didn't before though but that lighting rig they rent is expensive. Oh, hell yeah, it is. It's real expensive. <laughs> and so it's great, but it's like, I can't expect, you know, if, if it's, you know, like you're a small artist with a laptop or whatever, I can't expect you to be like, yeah, and then we also just have an extra fucking 10 grand here to drop on the rental of this thing or whatever, you know, like, no, that, right. that doesn't happen. Well, yeah, I mean, when it comes down to it, it's all about guarantees and how many people are going to show up at the door and how much can you charge those people? Is it going to cover all of your expenses, really? I mean, it's and is it going to be worth it for the, the venue and the promoter? What actually comes down to is, believe it or not, um, a lot of money is made through alcohol sales. You know, it shows. I mean, that's your bulk. Tickets are one thing, but you're going to sell a shitload of booze. You know what I mean? This is something I'm planning for the future, not right away. I live actually near like a sort of a nerd bar. Mm-hmm. And I, I did. I approached the lady who runs it about possibly doing like sort of a synthwave night thing. Mm-hmm. But my expectations are incredibly modest because I've been to a bunch of shows in Toronto anyways. And like, if it's not like a big act you know not that many people show up like enough people show up that it's like a pleasant experience you know and and mm-hmm. and everyone seems to drink because it was funny when i was talking to the lady who ran this place she runs this sort of nerd bar where they do all sorts of things like it's very nerdy like they'll have like magic nights and like burlesque <laughs> shows and you know stuff it's like a place like that yeah yeah and mm-hmm. she was saying that uh the magic people don't buy drinks so when someone like puts on like a magic show like a, a lot of people will show up but they don't drink Hmm. And I thought that was like interesting. Like, I don't know why that is. I don't really know too much about the magic community. Apparently, it, it involves a great deal of concentration to play magic. Well, no, I'm talking about like magician magic. Like, uh, oh, oh, I thought you were talking about the fucking Pokemon card thing. No, they. Oh, actual, actual. <laughs> oh, actual fucking magic. Oh, okay, the magic crowd. I'm sure there's no one we're going to upset with. <laughs> Referring to magic as the Pokemon card thing. Well, whatever, whatever. It's the same fucking. It's actually, it's different. I, okay, I lied. I used to have Pokemon cards, and I sold them, and they're probably worth like fucking thousands of dollars now. And I sold them to my neighbor for like ten dollars. Nice. But, well, whatever. I mean, it happens. You didn't know? Yeah, I had no idea. Um, but the magic thing. Okay, so maybe they just really want to focus on the performance. And That's what I was thinking. Like, thing, yeah, because yeah. I'm sure burlesque people sell lots of booze. And uh, to be fair, like even when I go to like synthwave nights pretty much everybody drinks but I have really modest expectations like this place is small and so it's the kind of place where I'm like you know what if I got like 45 people to come out to this it would be like a successful evening you know like a nice small reasonable show like I'm not because I talk to other people who want to put on shows in in the city and they're all like they're thinking big and I I don't think big ever I'm always thinking like let's start out modestly and see if we can sort of like generate some some stuff and so I kind of want to take the heat off of the performers and like have it in a small enough space where if only a few people show up it doesn't kind of feel weird because it does feel weird when you're in a big space and not many people show up. Oh yeah yeah you don't want that. I mean your best bet is to test the water you know and and maybe just do kind of an experimental type of thing and see how it turns out in a small venue and 
you know, if it ends up growing, choose a different venue that's bigger. Yeah, then we'll start doing magic. Yeah, we'll just combine every single night yeah. in one night. <laughs> yeah. you know? Fucking burlesque magic show and synthwave. And... <laughs> well, look, let's listen to uh, another track here, and then we'll keep talking. Sure. Here's uh, well, we'll jump ahead here to a, an archaic science track. This one's called Causeway by Betamax.
And that was Betamax with the track Causeway from the album Archaic Science. And I'm here with Betamax right now, talking about doing live shows and stuff. So how do you think, um, how do you think you've changed since the early years of Betamax? Well, this is like one thing that I did this past winter. Uh, it was one of my bucket list items. I built a fucking studio. I was going to say, I, I had sex with a lady. <laughs> I lost my virginity. I'm 32 years old. <laughs> no, I, um, I built a recording studio and previously, you know, I've only used like a crappy card table and like not the greatest equipment. And I mean, like I have, I've always had a lot of analog hardware since, mm. but never really a means. I always spent the money on just buying more since I was like, why don't I spend some money and build myself an actual studio? So I did, I spent all winter. Uh, I started November 31st and finished approximately January 31st. And yeah, it's really neat. You could check that out on my Instagram at beta that's one thing I definitely have been wanting to do for a lot of years. How do you think it's helped your um, the actual like music production? Because I, I, I've sort of been in the same boat when it comes to there's so many things I know I would appreciate in life if I just bought the expensive thing. Because like I always buy cheap speakers, you know, like I've never owned like a nice sound system, even though I love music. Like there's always these things I never really spend money on, but then I'll buy like an expensive Mac or whatever. Just the other day, I ordered new pots and pans for the first time in my life because I've always used hand-me-down pans for cooking. Right, yeah. So I, I just bought some new frying pans and like it's changed the game. Yeah, your life is like totally different now. Yeah, like all of a sudden I'm like, oh <laughs> shit, like stuff doesn't have to like fucking stick down. Like I can actually like walk away from the pan and come back and like the stuff isn't stuck and like I'm like reheating pasta with like I don't even use the microwave. I'm just stirring it around in the pan and like then the pasta tastes great, like reheated. Yeah, so basically you're like Gordon Ramsay <laughs> yeah. now. What yeah. you're trying to tell me. Yeah, I've turned into a master chef. and But but the point is, it's like, unfortunately, like I rent, right? So I can't do any insane renovations, even though I have built a talk right. show set in my living room. But I mean, like it's it can be torn down very easily. I, I dream of the day when I can actually have a proper podcast recording space. But how is how is having your space changed your? Uh... Well, it's a lot of a lot of it is workflow. A lot of it is just atmosphere and mood and then sound quality as well i like literally went balls out like just bought fucking everything that i wanted and i'm in a lot of credit card debt right now but i mean it's manageable but i bought a brand new creation station computer from sweetwater everything like i bought a shitload of stuff from sweetwater the universal audio interface a patch bay like a new desk i, I don't know it's just it's a room that I like really enjoy being in as opposed to like this room devoid of any sort of workflow. You know what I mean? I've never actually talked about this with anybody before, but the importance of the mood in the room you record. Like, I always think of everything so technically, like just, well, you get a nice computer, you get a nice pair of monitor speakers, and you're good to go. Mm -hmm. And I never thought about the importance of, like, the lighting in terms of immersing yourself into the the music. Yeah, I mean, it definitely in invokes inspiration. Just with this room, it's not a crazy room. It's probably about 10 by 25 feet long. And what I did was I just painted the entire room black. Nice. Jet black. 
I installed like recessed lighting in the ceiling. I put black carpet in. So it's basically like you're in this like fucking space station or something with all these keyboards. And it's just, I don't know. You just, you really feel like you're not where you are. You're like somewhere else, somewhere kind of like you immediately walk in there and like, uh, like, oh, this is kind of special and unique. And also it's, you know, it's really cool to have people in there because, uh, you know, there's a lot to talk about, a lot to play with and whatnot. So did you consider like the process with the way you make music and going like, well, here's how I have to design the, the room to make it like things accessible or easier to access? Well, that's a good question. And I have no experience building a studio whatsoever. I, I had some advice from some people from what to buy where to place things. At the end of the day, I kind of just settled on the way I wanted it to look. What what also made sense for sound dynamics as well. It was my first like serious construction project and I'm pretty happy with it. I mean, it's not perfect, but anybody that's walked into there is like, oh damn, you got something fucking going on here. I'm like, Thank you, you know? Yeah. (laughs) That sounds awesome. Like, I've always... This has nothing to do with music, but I've always wanted to have, like, a chess room where I painted the whole thing black Mm -hmm. and then just had a chess set in the middle of the room that illuminates. That would be dope. I wanted to create, like, this sort of atmosphere where there's, like, fans in every corner that are sort of blowing just a light breeze towards the table so you feel like you're sort of in, like, some kind of, like, weird dimension where it's, like, it's all black and it's not lit with, like, crazy neon lights or anything. I want to give the impression that you really can't see the walls because they're dark. Like, all you do is focus on the board. Yeah, so it, it's it essentially it'd be just like a square room with one focal point light on yeah. the chessboard. And you would feel like the room is enormous. Exactly. That's sort of the point of the fans, right? So, like, if there's, like, this yeah. sort of universal breeze that, like, no matter where you are, like, <laughs> there's sort of, like, this, this mild breeze hitting you and then just have speakers in the corner that just play sort of, like, soft ambient synth music like like what it feels like to be like meditating or whatever where you just walk into this room and it's just like fucking it sounds like a david lynch something he would make like uh like like the black lodge or some shit yeah but i feel like the david lynch version would have more noise like i want mine to be calming i feel like the the david lynch one would just be like you know like what's that and you look over and like every footstep just sounds like some like ad yard like clopping yeah you have like like 15 boom boxes with just like static on it yeah. <laughs> and like strobe lights and shit and fucking <laughs> <laughs> It's like, God, I think I'm actually going to die if I, if I stay in this room for another second. Dude, that would be hilarious, though. Like, have have an actual, like, terrifying thing where there is, like, a mannequin in the corner that looks like a guy screaming, but you only see it once when, like, the strobe light flashes on it. <laughs> and so for the rest of the time, you're playing chess and everything's peaceful, and all of a sudden, just like, like just this fucking guy well, in the yeah, corner. you blip and you see the guy and you have a fucking heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Stupid. Um, <laughs> but one thing, oh, one thing I will say, a plus thing I will say about the studio is painting it black was really fun because I felt like it was the color that like I wanted to like paint my room as a kid. But my mom was always like, you're not painting your room black. Yeah. I'll let you hang up whatever you want, but don't paint my house jet black. I'm like, all right, ma. But the funny part is she actually helped me paint this room black. So that's it nice. Was, it was, it was uh, yeah. Yeah. It, I had help. It wasn't a solo effort. Trust me. And uh I, I'm thankful that I had um, people uh, supporting me for this uh, endeavor. Yeah, man. Well, that sounds awesome. Yeah. Let's uh, listen to another track here, and then maybe we'll uh, we'll wind down. So this is another one from a Plug and Play, and this is a cool track. This is Take Me Back by Betamax.
And that was Betamax with the track Take Me Back. And I don't know why I put the emphasis on the me there. <laughs> Take me back. <laughs> Take me back. <laughs> Take me back. Yeah. <laughs> it's from the uh, the old uh, Plug and Play album. And I'm here. Plug and Play. With Plug and Play. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm here with uh, with Nick. And uh, hey, by the way, congratulations, man. That's uh, it's really cool that you've been kicking it and just building this show over the years. And you know, it's always a always a pleasure to be on it. And you know, I feel like this is the only time I can really connect with the public. Just hearing my voice, letting everybody know that I'm a person, that I have a soul, that I'm not some fucking robot. So we appreciate that and what you've done for the community. Well, I like uh, I remember you made a post about this, but I forget what the context was. It was something like, "You're not going to hear from me." Well, unless I, you might hear me on Beyond Synth sometime. I forget. I forget what oh, you were talking that was, about. Uh, that was in regards to the Rise of the Synth documentary. Oh, that's right, right. That I respectfully bowed out of. Yeah, I, I dropped your line there. I was like, well, listen to me periodically on the Beyond Synth podcast. Essentially, all that was was going to be like an interview with me, anyways. As far as I know, I'm not going to put on some fucking fashion show or something, you know. Just- <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah, I feel like we kind of open up and bullshit and have you know have a nice dialogue. So yeah, I wonder when they're ever gonna finish that thing. I, I wish them guys the best. You know, hopefully they can they can get it get it finished and show the world. So what's going on, man? What's the future hold for you? Well. Hopefully good shit and not bad shit. Can you play games in your uh, studio or is it like strictly music business? I don't really, ha- I don't have any like game consoles or anything or have any games on my PC. It also functions as a pretty cool like home theater because I have like a, a nice couch in there. The TV is routed directly to the computer so I can literally like put on any streaming service crank my speakers and like I'm in like a theater it's pretty cool you mentioned you uh, some of the equipment you had in there what is a creation station uh, it's a computer it's just essentially a window it's a PC Windows computer that is specifically designed for creating music and film it's a custom PC essentially is what it is and it's built by Sweetwater and Sweetwater is they sell every like any instrument like uh, lots of instruments recording equipment wait so like is it just that it have like a jacked like sound card or yeah it has all like the highest for right now like the highest capability of sound processing it has a crazy card in it i don't know what it's called but it's just like there is no latency there is no like okay right right it's, it's like bam you install your 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 daw and your your workstation and you plug everything in and it's just like boom it's good it's ready to go it's lightning fast it's the nicest computer i've ever bought i every time i turn it on it's like i'm like wow fuck yeah <laughs> yeah that must feel so cool like one of the projects i want to do in the future is to, you know build like an arcade machine and stuff but then there's part of me that just goes like oh i just wish i had enough money just buy those fucking pre-made ones it just comes to your house it's got light up buttons everything's done for you yeah yeah i've seen those but there's that one company that makes like the full-sized ones with like the emulators inside and all the light up buttons and shit but they're like two thousand bucks or something stupid i've been looking lately at those one up arcade cabinets the ones you can get at walmart i didn't know they had those but they're like three quarter size hmm. so it still looks like an arcade machine but like if you saw one next to a real arcade machine you'd know the difference but i think they they make a cool thing to have like in the corner of your room or whatever like just like an arcade machine because it still looks like one yeah but they sit really low to the ground 
So it's like if you want them to be like the same height as an arcade machine, you have to buy like a riser that raises it up like two feet. Uh, I got you. It'd be neat to like retrofit an old original arcade cabinet with a new screen and like I guess the new emulators and games and stuff, you know. I know it's not that crazy. Like I've watched a lot of videos. I'm not a very like I'm not a good craftsman. Like I'm not really like a wood cutting nail things together kind of guy. Yeah. Mm-mm, neither. But I've seen so many videos of people like building arcade machines and you know it seems like pretty straightforward like when they're installing the buttons it's like you know there's just a wire that runs from the button to the it, it, thing. It can't, and- be, it can't be terribly complicated. I mean I bet if we put our heads together we can finish it in under yeah. three years. <laughs> That'll be the thing. That'll be the project you and I work on together. It doesn't make any sense. I moved to Toronto for yeah. one mission and one mission only yeah. to build an arcade cabinet with Andy Last. That would be pretty fun, man. And we have a three-year uh, time window. We should be able to do it. Yeah, like I don't really cut wood and do all that sort of stuff. I could figure it out. Did you do any like wood cutting or custom-made shelves or whatever for your studio? Not really. No, I'll, honestly, everything I bought was like I had like the hardware store cut me some wood. Uh, a lot of it's like uh, these like the paneling and stuff that I hung all my sense on like that was uh something i bought from amazon a lot of like odds and ends were from amazon believe it or not well they got they everything man literally fucking have everything so it's- amazon is such a tricky company because i know people want to hate on it because they're mean to their workers but jesus christ is that website ever awesome because i hate shopping yeah i absolutely hate shopping amazon it's a thing you love to hate and hate to love you know yeah see the thing is though i don't hate it at all like i know i know that there's i, 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 don't, I don't i don't hate it either <laughs> like no. i know there's people that do because of like the the worker stuff but holy smokes like every time i just order a thing and then there's just this box on my door like the next day like shopping sucks it fucking sucks balls man it does it's like you know what's great too like if you really get to know like like your fucking clothes like your jeans like you know what jeans you like go on amazon and just get the fucking any color you want you know for levi's for me it's like incredible it's like Oh, shit. One day later, I have a brand new pair of pants that fit me, you know? I've never known my measurements properly. A lot of a lot of the things I like always end up coming from China, and their sizes are a lot different. Like, it's always just like, oh, don't forget, a Chinese extra large is it like an American small. And so it's... <laughs> it's a, <laughs> so it's always it's a, tricky. It's a women's medium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Eventually, one day, I'm going to properly measure myself and then know for sure. Yeah, it's a good to know. Yeah. It's, it's like having, you know, your, your social security number or whatever. Do you guys have social security in Canada? Yes. Well, we yeah, we have SIN numbers, they're called. Yeah, okay. It's kind of like knowing that or your bank your bank number, or, you know. Yeah. I should actually, I don't even, I don't know my numbers, really. I know... <laughs> I should just die. you know what you do just write them down on a little card pop it right in your wallet bam you'll, you'll have it although technically I already have those cards with the numbers on them in my wallet uh, okay. well except my sin card I don't carry my sin card around with me <laughs> is that something is that something people do that's no that's when you keep it home we carry your sim card with you your sin card or sorry sorry in Canada they're called sin card because it's social insurance oh. number Oh, no, we don't carry ours either. No, it's just you have a number and you know it and you have it like locked away. You know, it's like you lose that thing. You can like you cannot get another one. Well, look, man, fucking. uh, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) This is my awesome segue into saying goodbye. Uh, You're a cool guy, Nick Mori. Keep making cool music. Thank you, Andy. And, uh, you know, best of luck with uh, your show. And, you know, I'm always, always happy to join you. I guess we'll be doing it bi-yearly now. Yeah, whatever. When you come up with your... We should make it at least once a year. How about that? Yeah, see, what I'm doing this this season of the show, I've actually changed my tactic a bit because 
I want to make sure I reach out to as many new artists as possible. That's been a thing because, uh, like, in some previous seasons, like over like half the episodes are just me talking to people who have been on the show before, which is fine because that means I yeah. like talking to them. I don't mind talking to old guests so long as I still make sure to have like a new guest on. Of course. And so that's been like the the new pattern. So sometimes I'll just find like a new artist who maybe only has like one or two tracks, and so I make sure that there's still. So this way, I mean, so I'm not uh, hesitating to have old guests on. Why am I saying this out loud? I don't. This is. Uh, I- I don't know. I just, just thinking. I just thinking aloud. Yeah, this we is. Anyway, the, the point is, yes. Okay, when you get your thing done, come back on, and we'll uh, we'll talk about the new album and see where everything's going and all that shit. Cool. Sounds like a plan, bro. All right, man. Well, listen. It was good talking to you and fucking uh, rock the vote. <laughs> rock the vote. You voting, bro? <laughs> I'll be sure to rock it hard. Jesus, so well, that's one I've never said. Sometimes I say keep on trucking, but to rock the vote is a new I one. I like keep on trucking, too. So I'm going <laughs> to keep on voting, and I'm going to rock the truck. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right, take All care, right, dude. Man. All right, bye. All right, and that was my chat with Betamax. And that was brought to you by my awesome Patreon supporters in the $10 Club. There's fucking slunks. Greg Smith, Tristan Waits, Skunk Raider, Colin Bennett, Joe Ozone, Will Lowe, and Polly Digital. You guys are all awesome, and thank you for supporting Beyond Synth. I say this uh, many times during the show, and I don't want to bore you, but if you would like to support Beyond Synth, uh, you can go to patreon.com slash beyondsynth, or go to beyondsynth.com and click on the PayPal donate button. It also has the Patreon link there as well. Remember, this stuff is incredibly helpful, and the more support we can get, the more we can do. That's the bottom line, because I want to do more, believe me. Okay, like literally over the past few weeks, I've filmed now at least another 16 or 17 videos for the YouTube channel, but it just takes a lot of work and I don't have the time because most of the time goes into producing the show. And so, you know, the more money we can get together, I can start doing things like hiring people to help me do certain things so we can put out more content. Anyway, uh, thank you very much for listening to the show. This is Beyond Synth. You guys are all awesome. You guys and gals. Just so you know, I appreciate all of you. All right. Whether you got boobs or what... No, this is the wrong way to end the show. (laughs) All right, listen. uh, Tune in next week. We'll be continuing the summer celebration series. I'm going to be talking to a whole bunch of new guests. uh, And by new guests, I mean old guests. But uh, we're going to have a lot of fun and have a lot of fun and silly conversations. So have a lovely week. And tune into the High Five on Friday. And uh, you guys are all awesome. And this is Beyond Synth, the best synthwave chat show there is ever. Thanks for If you enjoy the show, please consider supporting it by going to patreon.com slash beyondsynth or visit beyondsynth.com and click on support the show. Beyond Synth is made possible by the awesome Patreon supporters. Don't forget to follow Beyond Synth on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Live broadcasts can be heard weekly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash beyond underscore synth. Have a lovely week.